Welcome to the Air War in Europe. This week's episode is a bit shorter than my ambitions would want. I had commitments this weekend, and the time I would otherwise dedicate to writing was necessarily foreshortened. First off, a couple of corrections. Podcast listener Peter C. pointed out that in the last episode, I misnamed two German fighter types. I mistakenly called the Falkwolf FW-190 the F-190. It was a slip of the tongue I hope not to repeat. Though the Luftwaffe famously employed a model of fighter commonly known as the ME-109, which is a mashup of the designer's name, Willi Messerschmitt, and the model number, the original designation of the type is the BF-109, for Bayerisch Flugzeugwerk Messerschmitt AG, the formal name of the manufacturer, model number 109. Not to totally geek out, but after 1938, when Willi Messerschmitt bought out his partners, the company name was changed to Messerschmitt AG, and all aircraft originating after the purchase were given the designator ME. Going forward, Luftwaffe inventory and loss reports use the designations interchangeably, sometimes even on the same page. American airmen predominantly used the ME designation when they weren't just calling them 109s, and you have to admit, it rolls off the tongue easier than BF-109. The FW slip was a pure mistake that I'll try not to repeat, but I'll probably stick with the ME designation, as many of the first-hand accounts use it. A sincere thank you to Peter C. for calling my attention to my errors. He gave me the impetus to do a bit of research and learn something new. Cheers. If you have a question or suggestion, or if you notice I've mispronounced a name or misstated a date, if you have a story from the air war you think needs to be told, send an email to airwareurope at gmail.com. You can also follow along on Twitter. That handle is at airwarinurope. Also, I was thinking about the last episode while taking a walk the other morning, and I realized that when I calculated the odds of surviving a combat tour of 25 missions, I underrepresented the numbers. I can only say that not only do I not have the mindset to be a historian, I also don't have the mind to be a mathematician. The odds I was trying to relate are that if your bomb group is suffering 4% losses on every mission, and you have to fly 25 missions, that means your group will suffer 100% numerical turnover every 25 missions it flies. The anecdotal odds of surviving a tour were not 1 in 4, they were 0. Some crews flew their allotted missions without a scratch. Some of them never made it off the ground on their very first mission. As the fall of 1942 became winter, as weather conditions became more dangerous, and more bombers were mushing around in those conditions, as the missions went to targets deeper inside Axis airspace, and the fighters in flat got thicker, as the enemy, ever scrupulous, evolved their tactics to each evolution in allied tactics, loss rates climbed. Calculating the odds was a nearly unavoidable morbid pastime for the young men flying those missions. Again, I realize that, at a 4% loss rate over 25 missions, the probability of any single crew or airman being shot down does not equate to 100% certainty. But, as I said, that is not the calculus of a 19-year-old tail gunner on a B-17. He looked at the loss rate, 
multiplied it by the number of missions he personally was going to have to fly and realized damn quick that he stood every chance of never seeing his 20th birthday. My original aim for this episode was to begin talking about equipment. The planes both sides of the conflict were employing, their operational capabilities, their shortcomings in the face of the enemy, the weaponry those planes carried, the personal gear that the air crews used to combat the elements and protect themselves from the enemy. I have big ideas about dedicating individual episodes to specific planes, dot, dot, dot. But perhaps my limited time is better spent defining some terms. What does strategic bombing mean? What's the difference between strategic and tactical employment of air power? Put as simply as I can distill it, strategic use of air power is meant to degrade the enemy's ability to wage war by attacking the material and production of the tools of war. My grandfather's first two missions were to the Hermann Goering Tank Works and the Zwölfoxing Airdrome in Linz and Vienna, Austria, respectively. The tank works, not at full capacity when it was bombed by the 15th Air Force on July 25, 1944, was built to produce Tiger and Panther tanks, armored cars, and steel for the German war machine. German fighter planes were assembled at Zwölfoxing. Finished products were not the only targets. Component manufacturing was also on the list. One of the bleakest chapters of the 8th Air Force's campaign played out in the skies over Schweinfurt, where German ball-bearing manufacturing was concentrated. Additionally, some of the most dangerous missions flown by American heavy bombers were against oil targets. I'm thinking of the oil refineries at Ploesti in occupied Romania. Ploesti had been one of the world's leading oil extraction and refinery sites since the mid-18th century. Other oil targets included the Blackhammer synthetic oil production facilities in what is now Poland. At Blackhammer North and Blackhammer South, the Germans synthesized oil from bituminous coal. Together, they were among the top four synthetic oil production facilities in Germany. The German response to these attacks was, wherever possible, to disperse manufacturing so that no one raid could cripple a vital industry and to heavily concentrate defenses around those facilities that were less conducive to decentralization. The Allied air campaign also concentrated on transportation targets, rail facilities and bridges coming in for particular attention. So the difference between strategic and tactical employment of air power is that tactical air focuses on situation-driven support of troops on the ground. Maybe you've seen footage taken from the perspective of a foot soldier of A-10s or Apache helicopters in Afghanistan or Iraq firing on ground targets. Another name for this is close air support. There are numerous videos on YouTube of gun camera footage shot by American fighter planes shooting up German vehicle traffic on roads in Europe. This, more or less, is the tactical use of air power. At first, the U.S. Air Forces combined these two missions within the 8th Air Force in England and the 12th in North Africa. But shortly we'll see that the missions were different enough to warrant creating separate organizational structures. In England, the strategic role was carried by the 8th Air Force, the tactical by the 9th, 
and in the Mediterranean, the 15th took the strategic role and the 12th the tactical. Broadly speaking, based on the roles each was assigned, the 8th and 15th flew heavy four-engine bombers and the fighters that escorted them. The 9th and the 12th flew medium and light two-engine bombers, fighters and ground attack roles, and transport planes. Broadly speaking. Thank you.